Welcome to the Grand Conversation, the Machon Siach Podcast. Machon Siach at SAR High School, honoring the memory of Belda Kaufman Lindenbaum Zichronal Levracha, is the research arm of SAR High School, where faculty bridge theory and practice on matters of Jewish education, curriculum, and culture. The Grand Conversation podcast features faculty fellows of Machon Siach discussing their research. I'm your host, Shmuel Hain, Rosh Beit Midrash at SAR High School. Our producers are Rabbi Avi Bloom and Phil Raymond. We are recording this podcast during the week of Yom HaZikaron and Israel's 75th Yom HaTzmaut. And we will observe and celebrate these milestones, Siach style, by discussing the opportunities and challenges of educating our students about the triumphs and tribulations of Israel at 75. We have three guests joining us today for this podcast. Rabbi Tully Hartstark, principal of SAR High School and the dean of Machon Siach. Rebecca Wolf, coordinator of Israel education at SAR High School and a longtime faculty member of our history department. And Yossi Ben Harush, who was a high school educator in Israel for seven years and has been a Judaic studies faculty member at SAR High School for the past two, teaching Gemara, Ivrit, and modern Israel. Yossi will be returning with his family to Israel this summer. Welcome to the Grand Conversation. It's great to be here. Thank, Thank you all. You. Thank you. So I want to start off with a question for each of you and uh, hear your thoughts. Um, as we mark uh, 75 years of Medina Yisrael, 75 years of the Jewish state, with all that's going on at the moment and with all of the history and wonderful triumphs that Israel has had over the past 75 years, what are your personal thoughts and feelings as we reach this particular milestone moment? We'll start with you, Tully. Uh, thank you. Well, it's, uh, it's a, there's a lot there. Um, I guess I will uh, put it into two categories. Uh, one is a tremendous sense of excitement, enthusiasm, appreciation, akaratov, takosh baruchu, and um, just experiencing Medina Israel is an amazing miracle. Um, over the course of Pesach, I started to read uh, Neil Rogachevsky's uh, recent book and Dov Ziegler about the Declaration of Independence, Megillat Atzmaut. And when you just imagine the courage uh, that it took to be able to stand up and read that declaration and just take that moment in the context of all that happened before uh, to get to that point, and then imagining where we are now, where the state of Israel is, it's, uh, it's, it's beyond belief honestly. Um, really miraculous. And at the same time, I know that there's a lot of apprehension, which um, I uh, have associated because I was uh, last month on a UJA uh, Federation of New York mission to Israel, um, and we had opportunity to hear from lots of people. One of the things that I took away uh, amidst all of the worry and concern, which I'm still carrying with me, is uh, 75 years is uh, you know perhaps a constitutional moment. It's uh, the success of Medina Israel has brought us to a place where uh, now there is an opportunity, although it feels like a dangerous moment, but also a real opportunity to uh, bring uh, the state of Israel to its next stage, God willing. So there's a lot of gratitude and excitement and apprehension all at the same time. Rebecca. I want to echo Tali in that I feel thankful for Medina Israel and again also feelings of the miracle of this country. And I also feel apprehensive in this moment. Uh, I was also just in Israel in February and I've been there in many crisis moments now that I think about it, I was there the first intifada, the second intifada, I was there during the Gaza War of 2014, and I didn't see 
demonstrations, people so apprehensive like I did when I was just there. And I'm a little worried. At the same time, I'm hopeful that Israel's going to move through this crisis and come out stronger for it. Yossi, maybe I'll ask, since you're celebrating from afar or commemorating, observing Yom HaZikaron from afar and celebrating from afar, what is the feeling of kind of being here and not being there at this particular moment? Yeah, so when you talked about um, the birthday, Rabbi Historic, I remember the sentence that one of, one of my friends told one of my kids when he had a birthday, and he said, your birthday is when Hashem decided the world can no longer exist without you. And I really have this sensation about the 75th birthday. Like, 75 years ago, there was a decision made in heavens that the world can no longer uh, be without the state of Israel. And like a kid, I think that 75 years is kid years in, uh, in a state years. Um, there's a lot of difficulties and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things going on. And, but um, we, do, we need to remind ourselves to be mesmerized by this great miracle that happens and with all this trouble things. And being afar allows me to have this broader perspective of like, yes, there's a lot of things going on. And I'm also a little bit worried, Rebecca. A few weeks ago, I've, I've started being a little bit concerned what's going on, not a little bit. Uh, but still, the great picture shows that there's a great moment here in history that we need to stop for a second, just be mesmerized. This is a great miracle that happened. And, um, I have the chance to do it, and we have the chance to do it on Yomat's Maut, which is great. I great. think that in listening to you describe that, which I think is a really beautiful image, um, that you know, Hashem decided that it was time. Um, but it actually brought to me what I found so find so mesmerizing about the Megillah Tatzmaut moment, because going through the the book that describes the versions uh, of Megillah Tatzmaut with the crossouts and the added terms, and you, you have a sense that it was really beyond just people who had to step up at that moment. And so it, uh, it, it, the, the, the idea of it being minashamayim and actually also being in the hands of courageous people who had to you know, erase some sentences and put others in <laughs> is a remarkable thing to take in. I showed my students yesterday this amazing video put out by Toldot Yaakov about the UN vote and Jews around the world sitting around their radios keeping track of which country were voting yes and which countries were voting no and abstaining. And at the end of it, they explain how Ben-Gurion got up on the balcony of the Sochnut building and said something about Bayit Yehudi or Bayit Israel, and the narrator mentions they didn't yet have a name. They didn't know what they were going to call this country. And then talk about the declaration of the state, it really resonated yesterday that so this was a creation and a miracle. Yeah. So I, it, in listening to everyone describe kind of the appreciation for Israel, but also some of the um, apprehension that, that is being experienced at this moment, I wanted to first zoom out uh, and speak uh, and hear a little bit from both Tully and Rebecca about how we teach Israel education, how we talk about the modern state of Israel. So I'm going to turn to you first, Tully, uh, and, and ask you about SAR High School's general approach to Israel education 
and how it has evolved over the past several years since Machon Siach has devoted a lot of time and resources to studying it and how, uh, how best to, to teach it. So can you take a couple minutes and just share with us uh, a little bit of an overview of um, the goals of Israel education at Ezra High School? Uh, sure, I'll, I'll try and we'll see. Rebecca will tell me if I get it right or not. Um, <coughs> When I think about it now, um, broadly, I feel like um, it's so important for students to be able to learn in a way in which they understand what is happening now. And the reason why I say it that way is uh, when we first started putting a curriculum together years ago, this is right, this is our 20th year of the school, so way back when we did, the idea was to have a Zionism curriculum that felt like it was really strong. Um, thank God over the years that's gotten, uh, it's gotten continually uh, is worked on and improved. Um, I think it's important to think about that as that, that can just be history, meaning you're learning about your past. Um, and I felt, I have felt very strongly that that really covers 100 years. It's very much an 18, you know, end of the 19th century to the end of the 20th century type of curriculum. And we're 30 years past that. And I feel like learning all of that past has to be brought current in two ways. One, to understand how all of that past brought us to where we are now, and also to understand what is actually happening now. So to me, for me, a goal um, for our students is for them to be, I know this is way too ambitious a sentence, but to say that they should be as much as possible insiders to the conversation um, of what's going on in Israel now, which means not just learning about what happened, uh, but understanding what are the uh, what are the issues on the table now, what are the causes of tension? What are, if I were a citizen living in Israel and needed to vote, what would be the issues at the forefront that I need to be able to consider? And I think that in our, you know, Chutzah Aretz position, we need to do the best that we can to empower our kids to do that so that they can actually be actively engaged when they grow into adulthood and become leaders themselves. So, Rebecca, you coordinate Israel education, and Tilly talked a little bit about kind of the 30-year gap, like from Oslo till till now. So, w when do we uh, when do we incorporate that into the curriculum? How do we incorporate that into the history curriculum? And how do you how do you balance the the historia historical piece with some of the effective goals that we have as a school to kind of enhance the identification with Medinat Yisrael even as we're teaching the history and the recent history. That's a lot. Yeah. We, many years ago, maybe eight years ago, revamped the curriculum because we used to teach modern Israel, sort of what Tully was alluding to, what's going on now, how does it relate to the history in 12th grade. And we realized that the students didn't have a good grasp of that 100 years, Israel's history. We thought they got it in elementary school and middle school through osmosis and the high school, but we didn't really have a, a set curriculum, so we revamped the 10th grade curriculum so that the last six weeks of 10th grade, we can focus on Israel's history, and I wish we had more time. And we go decade by decade and really teach 
the history. At the same Starting time. Starting with the Zionism and. Oh, yeah. So we do that. Sorry. We talk about the birth of the Zionist movement earlier in the year. For this unit, we start with Balfour and San Remo and uh, the Yishuv going into modern day. And. Uh, it's not enough just to teach history, right? Just teaching history is a complicated comment. We try as much as we can to introduce nuance and sophistication to the conversation, just like we do in any history class. And we find the 10th graders super engaged. They're just so excited to learn, and many of them spend their summer after 10th grade in Israel, and it's really great to hear them comment on how the learning in the classroom really uh, help them this summer in appreciating Israel. And then in 12th grade, we teach a modern Israel class, which connects what's happening now with uh, the history that they learned in 10th grade. The 10th grade curriculum goes through the Abraham Accords. We really do try to cover everything decade by decade. Wow. Uh, so you're, you're in 10th grade, they're already being exposed to the kind of the full arc. And then 12th grade, when they do modern Israel, what's the focus of that particular, that's a second semester, 12th grade class that meets a few times a week. What are the, what's the, the core of that curriculum? Yeah, so I would say that that really follows from Tully's goal of let's try to create insiders to the conversation. We talk about all of the successes and struggles of Medina Israel. We talk about the religious secular divide, about the Mizrahi Ashkenazi divide, about the obviously about the Palestinian conflict, and hopefully give them tools to really understand the Israel that most of them are going to spend their year in the next year and beyond the college campus and throughout their lives to really be engaged with what's going on. But you can't understand it without that history, without that basis of 10th grade. And we really dig deep in 12th grade. So um, I want to kind of just park right there for one second and ask about advocacy. Um, and where does that fit in? Because we know that there is a lot of talk about Israel advocacy, and you mentioned college campuses. Um, where does that fit in? Is that not in the history curriculum? Is that a, a, a separate kind of thing? Where do we? Where does that that fit within the the broader kind of arc of what we're trying to to give to our students as they leave high school? It's a great question. It's sort of a dirty word in the history department. It's sort of not what we want to do. We want to teach history, and we don't want to teach advocacy. We, in the past, didn't feel equipped to teach advocacy, but we're also responsive to reality. And the kids want it, the parents, the grandparents. So we actually just worked with uh, AJC, with Laura Shaw-Frank and Aaron Bregman, who helped us create this curriculum that we just rolled out just to the seniors in the past couple of weeks, where we teach advocacy, but really rely on the knowledge that we gave them. So it's a sophisticated advocacy. It's not just uh, knee-jerk advocacy. And this is the first time we really did it comprehensively in the classroom. We'll have to get feedback on how it worked. Uh, but really gave them talkless, this is some of the stuff you might face on a college campus and beyond. How do you react? When should you react? When should you not react? And uh, we thought the curriculum went really well. The students were really engaged. But honestly, it's the first time we've done it comprehensively in the classroom. 
I just want to elaborate a little bit in terms of the, you know, what that word means. I think that uh, we've um, been a number of conversations with Rivka Schwartz about uh, how years uh, back, um, when you when you think about advocacy, the terminology is very militaristic. Um, you think about advocacy, it's about uh, being armed to defend against the attacks that you'll experience on college campus. That is a particular way of thinking that generates a kind of teaching. You're trying to make sure that knowledge um, it's not a, uh, it, you know, it can be weaponized. We're yeah, fortified. Right. For and I'm, let me explain why I'm right. And I think that we should feel very uh, Confident, I've actually been uh, engaging. I'll give a shout out to David Sable, who's been pushing for the idea of Jewish confidence as a term, meaning that you're able to engage in a conversation with another person who disagrees with you, who you know is going to disagree with you, um, and actually have a conversation, uh, which means um, you're going to express, you know, enough to be able to confidently say, This is what I think. And when someone says something back to you, you can listen to what the person says, it might have an impact on you. It also won't be the first time that you've heard it because you've engaged in um, kind of rich, rich learning. So for us, uh, I think it's really important just to be able to have the confidence to be able to engage and listen um, and speak strongly. And I think all having, uh, you know, learning richly and deeply makes, uh, is really important to be able to get to that point. As someone who, who taught this uh, curriculum about advocacy this year, I, I felt that the, there's two words that kept repeating as I was teaching that, and was one of them was uh, living history, trying to have the experience of um, having a meaningful discussion about something that I have required as knowledge, acquired as knowledge. Now I want to to use it in in order to have a meaningful discussion and the other was conversation because you want you don't want to step back from a conversation even if it's a difficult even as you said Rabbi Hatzog the other side doesn't agree uh, you do want to get into the conversation because it's important to both sides and you want to come to this conversation um, knowing what's going to happen a little bit but also um, feeling that this conversation will benefit you as you come into it. So I think that, w that was very important in this curriculum. I think it becomes more important now because until now we've been talking about that issue in the context of um, Am Yisrael, of, of Jews being able to talk to people who are, you know, an other, if you want to put it that way. Um, and what we see happening more and more is that within the Jewish community, uh, it's necessary to be able to have that conversation. And I am very um, focused these days on Israel uh, world Jewry relationship. Um, and the common thinking is that these two communities are moving in different directions, largely around these issues. And one can say, I don't know if this is just from anecdotal experience, but that not being able to have those conversations from a position of confidence at this point is not only going to hurt our ability to talk to people outside of the Jewish community, it's going to hurt um, the achdut of Am Yisrael unless we're able to do that. And that raises the stakes that much more. I want to come back to you, Yossi, and just kind of get a little bit of a, a broader uh, understanding of your impression of what we're doing here. You came from Israel, where you taught in a high school, and you came to SAR High School. I'm not sure how much you knew about SAR High School before you walked in the doors. 
and now you've been here for two years teaching um, modern Israel in addition to Judaic studies. What are some of the things that you've learned that surprised you that, um, that you didn't anticipate before you came here? And what are some of the things you want to take back with you as you return to, to your homeland? So when I came in the doors of SAR High School, I thought I was surprised by two things. First, I was surprised by the historical scope of like learning about Israel because I understand the reason to do so like it becomes more natural if you're living in Israel and you know the history of the place. But n seeing how much the students know about Israel history surprised me. And the second part of my surprise, my, my surprise was when I came to see how much they're involved in the contemporary issues happening in Israel. And it really made me feel that I'm not talking to someone who is experiencing Israel as an outsider who comes to visit or comes to do like a tourist attraction. I'm actually talking to someone who shares the same um, responsibility as a student in, in Israel would, would share. And that surprised me. And later on, I realized that um, this was part of a bigger identity that is cultivated here in this high school. That is, you are a part of Am Yisrael, and to be a part of Am Yisrael, you need to know the history well, but you also need to be part of this discussion that's happening now. In Israel, I remember that the last time I heard about world Jewry is when the Kotel issue happened, right? The Kotel and the ways that, that the Kotel uh, for, for, for non-Orthodox denominations, um, and I remembered saying, they have to have a lot of courage to be part of the conversation because they need to say, I know enough to be part of it. And when I came here, I realized they do know enough. It, it is part of their conversation. It's not something that you, you don't need to be courageous to do something that is natural to you. And I, and I, I really admire this naturality that those issues come to play here. Um, and I'm also connected to what you said, Rabbi Herstark. Um, I'm for sure, I'm going to take back home that this is a discussion that needs to be happening. And Achadut Am Yisrael is not just the people that are in Eretz Yisrael at the, at the moment, because Achadut Am Yisrael goes out to every Jew that wants to be a part of this discussion. And, and it's not that they're um, chiming in and giving an anecdotal a comment. They are well-informed, and they are engaged, and they are concerned, and they care, and with all this, they are a part of this conversation, and we need to listen, and we need to open our discussion a little bit f more than the people sitting next to us at the bus stop or, or at, at the Knesset. And this is something that I think um, will really change the way that I'm engaged in conversations in the future. That's great. Um, I want to I wanna fast forward a little bit to like the here and now and what's going on at this particular moment, but still using the lens of how we engage with students. So, Rebecca, I want you to take us inside the history department office and get a sense how you decide to discuss current events in history classes. How do the, the elections or, or Ben Gvir and Smotrich or judicial reform and what's the calculus that you use in terms of some of the benefits and hazards of tackling these 
current hot button issues? And how do you navigate teachers and students with a range of perspectives on, on Israeli politics generally and on these specific issues as well? First, I want to thank Yossi for validating what we're doing here. Thank you. Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> I wanted to get the Israeli perspective, and now we feel great. <laughs> yeah. We're insiders. And I would say, as a history department, we are very deliberative. Uh, when we hear something that we feel that we need to share with our students, we don't just run into the classroom and talk about it. We sit around our table and we think about the best way to convey this information in a nuanced, sophisticated way and in a way that they'll understand it. We will often talk to the administration, to Tilly, to Rifka, to get their perspective on how we should approach these subjects. And then we'll create a lesson plan and we'll all, all of us, all the history teachers, will teach from the same lesson plan. I guess uh, we're blessed in that we very often agree on how to teach something. Uh, there's very little disagreement between teachers. And as far as the students' reactions to, to what we're teaching, I walk into my history class the first day of school, whether it's 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade modern Israel, talking about how to have a conversation, civil discourse, how to respect and listen to each other, and I think students really respond to that. I don't find that we have a lot of pushback from the left, from the right, some, and questioning, but not sort of undermining the conversation in general. And how do we get the material that we, wanna, we want to convey to our students? We read, we listen to podcasts, we, I want to give a shout out to Unpacked for Educators, uh, which is this amazing resource for teachers and students and people in general. They have history, podcasts, videos, but they also put out uh, current events information. We are in conversation often with the people at Unpacked to help us, to guide us, to put out material that we can use in the classroom. And we will often talk to educators in other schools. So we, I was part of this cohort, uh, SAR High School, Machon Siach, and the S. Daniel Abraham Foundation for Middle East Peace. It's been going on three years already, I think. And we have fellow educators who we can reach out to. How are you teaching this? Uh, Unpacked also partners with Prisma, and there's educators from around the world who get together once a month on Zoom calls. And so reaching out to others, using resources, creating our own resources, uh, that is how we tackle current events. And in terms of sort of what to cover, uh, we know it when we see it. It seems very obvious to us we have to cover the elections, right? The question is how, and we really are deliberative about it. We really think about how best to convey this message in a way that balances the Ahava Israel. We really want our students to love Israel and be committed Zionists, and at the same time, we want them to be knowledgeable and to really understand what's happening. So those two things are often in tension, and we talk about it constantly. And they do about talk about it constantly, and I actually want to, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, the, the image that I have in, in my mind, it, I mean, as you were talking, the word painstaking actually came to, to mind, and because I think that that is the way that you guys work, 
Um, but I also, the Siach you know, the, the idea is that faculty should be in a Beit Midrash type of setting, meaning whatever a Beit Midrash means in a way that's different than a library or that's different than taking a curriculum that someone prepared and then transmitting it to someone else and the teacher is just a, kind of the go-between. This is something else. This is uh, really an ongoing, it's really like sitting sitting and learning and saying like the sugya that we're doing now is how do we teach about the elections and so you got to learn it well and then you got to talk to each other about where our kids at and how do we, we teach it and I feel like that is a very dynamic and lively learning environment for the faculty and I think it makes all the difference for the students and I think that the modern the department is remarkable in doing that work. Is this the area where you get the most kind of parental um, feedback or questions uh, on Israel education, especially current events around Israel? Would you say that that's fair, that the administration hears a lot about that from parents? Um, it's not the area that we hear the most about. No, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's worthy of its own conversation as to why that is. Um, but uh, no, it's not. I want to say, according to the, the concept of Ben Midrash, that it, it helped me a lot to deal with something that happens with those current events and the, this, the emotional aspect of it. I was so invested. I told one of, one of my, the class, the modern Israel class I taught, I said, it's very hard for me to talk about it because I am so emotionally invested. And it's really interesting. Uh, again, thank you for the history department for allowing this to become a Beit Midrash conversation and not ignoring the emotional aspect, but adding it in a way that will help the conversation and not making it, it. Yeah, exactly. Not making it into this big mess because you're so involved in it. And so I think it really helps like putting it in a Beit Midrash aspect for a second. And, and, and again, not ignoring the emotional, but channeling it in, the way, in a good way. And actually, as you're, when you're, it's, it's a, it was an interesting image. You're talking about whether it's the area that you hear most from. Even thinking about it that way is like there. Th that image is we have a product, and then there are people who are thinking about the product, and do they like it? You know, the, they like it or don't like it. And um, I am much more interested in thinking about it, just to keep pushing that Beit Midrash image. Um, I sometimes feel like the adults think, an adult can think that, well, I get my, my information from the papers, and that's, and then the kids go to school, and they get whatever they get, and we don't realize the degree to which sitting down together and talking about it while we are learning it, how enriching and how much of a difference that makes. And uh, I would love to be able to, the more that we can have our parent community and our faculty like being engaged in that conversation, that that Beit Midrash learning, you know, that dynamic experience of learning around, right, with the sugya being Medina Israel as it relates to whatever the topic is, um, I think that is that that's a great thing. And we're working on that, so stay tuned. <laughs> so th I I think that's my final question. What what more would you like to do with? Israel education for our students and what is the dream classroom or experiential education curriculum look like what's in the works um, looking forward and I, I again I will say that several years ago when a lot of this uh, focus on Israel education really began in earnest we were hearing from a lot of our alumni that they felt like they weren't fully ready for those conversations on campus 
And what motivated us to really focus in this area to make it more of a Beit Midrash and make it more of an insider perspective was to make sure that our students had the confidence to engage in those conversations. So what more can we do to, to further that with also the knowledge that one of my children is already in, in Israel and many of our graduates are now choosing uh, to stay in Israel after their, their gap year there. I would love to poll our alumni from the past five years and I would hope that their answers would be very different than they were 10, 15 years ago. I would love to see an expansion of our Israel education, which um, I've been working on all year, hopefully going to roll out soon. A more comprehensive Israel education, so it doesn't just live in 10th grade history or 12th grade history or on the yomes that, that we're involved in with right now, but that it actually touches every grade and moves in different departments, Tanakh, Gemara, maybe even English and history, so that there's a curriculum that follows students all four years of high school with certain concentrations in each year. And I think a more global, comprehensive curriculum can really help in understanding and really becoming that insider to the conversation. And we're also looking to reach out to the community to have more community involvement, learning together, issues that are going on in Israel. Not So it's not just the teachers and the students, but bringing in parents and grandparents into that conversation too. Um, I, and the, I, I feel like I learned a tremendous amount of, uh, about what is possible from the relationship that we have with uh, the S. Daniel Abraham Center for Middle East Peace. That is about uh, creating partnerships between a school and um, experts out there who are focused in particular areas. Um, so the center, for example, is uh, if it comes to U.S.-Israel relations um, or matters around the Israel-Palestinian conflict, that they're the, the experts. Um, and there are lots of other kinds of partnerships like that. Um, having the Israel, the educational community in Israel and the American education community to get to know each other, um, I mean, creating other partnerships like that um, are opportunities for faculty to learn in ways that um, make a big difference in terms of what our students are learning and to continue to build those types of, of connections. And one other thing, which is that I feel like, uh, Rebecca might say that we do this a lot already, I'm not sure. Um, <clears throat> but I've been thinking a lot, going back to the first comment about the Declaration of Independence, how, how much um, we, when I think about my own education, it was very much focused on, it was the war to war to war. It was like rooted in around, built around battles. Um, and there is a society building approach that could look very different. Um, you think about, um, uh, and, and the issues that we are focusing on now have very much to do with those types of, uh, of elements. And they're not mutually exclusive, but those seem really important uh, for, for us, our kids, to understand. I want to say, to echo this a little bit, uh, one of the things that I really miss is that you can't just take your class outside and say, okay, let me show you the narrative of the Mizrahi 
people who were living in Ma'abarot, oh, this is a Ma'abara, this is someone who lived in Ma'abara. You can't do it in America, right? But the idea that there are other narratives, other than the narrative that there's war to war to war, or other narratives that the, the first Aliyah was that Aliyah of uh, East European Jews to somewhere, or, or the, the idea that um, the, 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 the Declaration of Independence, uh, you know, the, the, all the marksings and the words added and so on. There all these narratives that needs to be, the, the expansion of narratives you put into the curriculum I think is very, very important and in, in, in collaborations and bringing expert, as you said, all this can like expand this very, like the, the maybe mimic the uh, way of you just going outside and seeing another, another narrative, another story of someone else. Mm-hmm. Even the, the idea of the Shoah which obviously made the Shoah to the building of the Medina yeah. is a particular Ashkenazi kind of way of telling the story too. And there are lots of different paths to that journey. Yeah. I just want to jump in and assure you that we are doing definitely more than war to war to war. Yeah, I knew that. And I would say the theme of our 10th grade class, and really our 12th grade class, is multiple narrative and bringing in all of these voices to our curriculum. And we're constantly expanding that. And to the point where we can't walk out and see uh, Ma'abara, I once questioned, I won't name schools, but there are some modern Orthodox schools who take their seniors or their eighth graders to Israel on a trip. And I always questioned it because you know, 90% of our students spend their year in Israel. What's the point of going with your high school when you've been there many times, you're gonna go spend a year? And someone said to me, there's something different about going with your teacher who's teaching you this history. There's something very powerful in that. And that really resonated with me. So maybe a dream is to take some of our students to Israel one day. Also, I, uh, on the, t- the narratives term, I, I just wanna, say one se- a sentence about that because I feel like talking about multiple narratives in the context of Israel is gets located in this political right-left type of thing because the narratives like what's very interesting that oh, the past um, you know this past kufa in Israel is brought to the fore is there are multiple J- Jewish narratives also when you're talking about narratives it doesn't mean one particular thing. It means that there are lots of different stories within Am Yisrael, which is which are important to understand. Um, we have to, which we have to fill out when we are teaching. And we definitely are trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, Yossi, Tully, thank you so much for such a rich conversation. I want to encourage everyone to check out all of the material that is available on the soon-to-be public Machon Siach website, many papers and other podcasts and uh, Siach talks that are devoted to Israel education, where you can learn a lot more about what we do at SAR High School and how we educate um, our students uh, about Israel and many other things. Till the next time on The Grand Conversation, thank you. Thank you.